0: Good when I am asked to preach on a Sunday morning, um, generally I ask the Holy Spirit, you know, show me what you want to have said, and that's kind of the way I go. I I, I find a passage of scripture or Something along those lines, well, generally a passage of Scripture that, that, that speaks to me, uh, that, that says something new to me that I haven't recognized before, and, and that's what I base my sermon on, that's where I get my notes. Uh, and generally speaking... I pay no attention to what Sunday of the year it is or anything like that. I just simply ask the Holy Spirit to guide me, and that's what I did this time. And I had my sermon pretty well written and outlined uh, by Friday of this this week. And for those of you who are only watching online after the fact, in other words, if you're not watching this live today, uh, when we post the sermon online later, uh, all you're going to see is just the sermon. You don't get to see everything that we did leading up to the sermon before I got up here to preach. Well, one of the things that we did was light the third Advent candle. And as you can see, perhaps on your screen, or on the, certainly if you're in here, you can see on the screens up here, the title of this sermon is Christmas Joy in 2020 with a big question mark. Uh, But I came up with that title, I came up with the sermon, and I say I, uh, as if the Holy Spirit had nothing whatsoever to do with this, uh, before I realized that the third Sunday of Advent is the Sunday where we accentuate joy. And I picked the scripture that we're going to speak from today, again I say I like I had anything to do with it, Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 16 through 18 uh, because it spoke to me about joy. You know, little did I know, and there was zero coordination for it, that my brother in law Buddy and his wife Lisa came up to light the Third Advent candle on this Sunday of joy. And the scripture that Buddy chose to read was uh, this exact same passage of scripture. I'll tell you what's even further ironic when he actually read, he actually read two passages of scripture this morning. The first passage that he read was from the Gospel of John. And I was this close <laughs> to preaching from John chapter one this week on joy and Jesus coming into the world by First Thessalonians chapter five. So don't tell me that the Holy Spirit ain't alive and well, Amen. folks. Uh, that's uh, that's just not even up for debate, I don't think. So with that, let's let, let's dive into our subject today folks, 2020, depending on your position, has been a tough, tough year. I mean, how many of you want to go back and redo 2020? Just the same way it was, let's do it again. It was that much fun. Me either. Look, 2020 has been tough. It's been tough on individuals. It's been tough on families. It's been tough on the church. It's been tough on countries. I mean, our, yeah, the, a pandemic has swept the world and essentially crashed the entire world economy. You know, hundreds of thousands in America, you know, millions around the world of people have died from COVID-19. Um, it's, there's social upheaval, there's political upheaval right here in America. It's just, it's not something I want to go back and redo. You know, from where I'm standing, there's very little to celebrate in 2020, We have to keep that in perspective, folks. Um, Let's look at the scripture for today and see what the Apostle Paul says to us because when he's writing this part of 1 Thessalonians, obviously this is a letter to the church in Thessalonica. This is from chapter 5 of that letter. It's the end of that letter, Uh, and it's where he's telling... He's just giving a series of commands to the people in Thessalonica. Hey, look, this is how Christians act. This is what's expected of you as a Christian. And so he writes, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So the answer to where can I find joy in 2020, as always, the answer lies in the scriptures. When Paul says rejoice always, that's not written as a suggestion to the church in Thessalonica. And this is an apostle writing this, right? He has apostolic authority. He can give these kinds of commands to an entire church because he speaks the words of God. That's why they're recorded for us in Scripture. You know, this, folks, is, in fact, the Word of God. You know, this is not Paul's message. This is God's message to us. And so when God chose to include rejoice always, it wasn't by mistake. But really, we have to live here in this world, don't we? Is it really possible to rejoice always? I mean, do any of you know someone who's just happy all the time? Somebody like that would probably drive you crazy, wouldn't he? But the simple fact of the matter is that that is God's command. Right? Now, it does not mean that there's not a time to Grieve. There absolutely is, and Scripture is clear on that. So when Paul says rejoice always, he doesn't mean that you're always going to be just bubbling over with enthusiasm and excitement. He's saying that you need to keep focus on where the source of your joy is. One of the things that Buddy said that struck me this morning during the lighting of the Advent candle, he says, uh, and I'll paraphrase here, you know, happiness is a human emotion it's something that we just feel that's kind of on the surface joy comes from deep within our hearts joy comes from Jesus Christ and that's what Paul is talking about now again is there a time to grieve absolutely there is Uh, who knows what the shortest verse of the Bible is Jesus wept Jesus wept. It's in John chapter 11, verse 35. And the circumstances there were Lazarus had died, and Jesus and his disciples had gone back to Bethany, where Jesus met with Mary and Martha. And they were so upset about their brother Lazarus being dead. And Lazarus was Jesus' friend too. And Jesus loved all of them very deeply, and he saw how upset they were, and Jesus wept. Those were not tears of joy that Jesus wept. Those were tears of sadness that Jesus wept. Jesus connected with their emotions. But that's not the only time that Jesus wept. On his last, on his last trip into Jerusalem, When he was ultimately crucified, as he approached Jerusalem, and it's recorded in various Gospels, but in Luke chapter 19, verse 41, he looked over Jerusalem and he wept, and he said, How I have longed to take you in, but you would not listen. And he wept over Jerusalem because he knew that Jerusalem was ultimately going to be, just a few years later, Conquered by the Romans and the temple, which was the centerpiece of Jerusalem, was going to be ripped stone from stone. No two stones were going to be left connected together. And Jesus wept over that because Jerusalem and the people who lived in it had been disobedient and ignored the word of God. And Jesus did not weep tears of joy for that. Jesus wept tears of sadness. So is there a time to grieve? Absolutely. But when we grieve, when we're sad, even when we're angry, these are all things that are not joy, but we feel those emotions, even if we feel them to the very core of our being, if we feel this sadness, this grief to the very core of our being, if we feel this anger to the very core of our being, we are angry or sad or we are whatever we are over things that are here on this earth. How many of you have been angry or sad over the condition of things in heaven? Me either. Right? We're only angry or sad over things that are on this earth. And how long is this earth going to last? Not forever. The earth and we are temporary. You know, I mentioned last week, you know, if you, if you look at the entire span of time from when God said, let there be light to the end of Revelation, when, you know, when, when the new heaven and the new earth, you know, descend out of heaven and, and Jesus reigns forever. If you look at that entire span of time, you know, our lives are about that wide right in the middle of it. And that encompasses all of our grief, and all of our pain, and all of our anger, but it does not encompass all of our joy. Because when we leave this earth as Christians, we join with Jesus in heaven, and we live for all eternity where there are no more tears, there's no more sadness, there's no more grief, there is only rejoicing in heaven. So let's keep it in perspective. 2020 might have been the worst year of your life. The worst things that ever could possibly befall you might have befallen you in 2020. But just 2020, I mean, if you look at even at your span of life, 2020 is only just a tiny part of it. It doesn't mean that the things that you've experienced aren't serious But keep it in perspective, folks, because God is not only worried about the time that you're here. God is eternally minded. God is looking at eternity. And I know that Buddy will appreciate this. I know he likes this story. But it's an illustration of just exactly how long eternity is. So let me set the stage. How long is eternity? Let's picture this. The Pacific Ocean, the largest ocean on Earth. It'll take you 10 hours to fly across it at 600 miles an hour in a jet. And there's just nothing but water, as far as you can see. But that's not just water on the surface. That water goes 30,000 feet deep in some places. You know, that's just crossing it one direction. If you tried to cross, that was east to west. If you tried to cross it north to south, it's every bit that far, maybe even further. And if you could drain the Pacific Ocean, drain it completely, take all that water out of the Pacific Ocean, and you could fill it up with sand. But don't just fill it up with sand. Fill it up with sand and then pile the sand on top of the Pacific Ocean, this gigantic body pile it up till it's as tall as the tallest point on earth, Mount Everest, 29,000 feet tall. So now you've got sand piled 29,000 feet in the air, and you've got it going 30,000 feet below sea level all the way down to the bottom. And it's just filled with sand, and it's thousands of miles across one way and thousands of miles across another. That's a lot of sand, folks. And if a bird could come and land on that pile of sand and take one grain of sand, one grain, and fly away with it and deposit that sand somewhere else. And that bird could come back every one million years and take one more grain of sand. When the Pacific Ocean was emptied of sand, you would have lived through about 10 seconds of eternity. Eternity's a long time, folks. It's a long time. That that, that story exhausts me. I've told it 50 times probably. That story exhausts me just telling it when I think about how long eternity is. But that's how long we're going to spend in heaven where there is only joy. So as we seek to find joy in 2020, let's seek it In Christ God wants us to be eternally minded and even tragedy on earth can bring about blessings and we could all perhaps tell a story about this in our own lives but I'll go back to the Bible David and Bathsheba you're familiar with the story David had an affair with Bathsheba, got her pregnant, wound up having her husband killed, married her, she had the baby. Well, that baby died after about a week of illness. And while that baby was sick, David fasted and prayed, and David was heartbroken over his child being so sick, and he wouldn't eat and he wouldn't have any of his servants come to him and, and help him to make him feel better. They wouldn't, he, could, he, would, he would see no one. He would do nothing. He just laid on the floor, prostrate and fasted and prayed for a week. And then his servants were terrified to tell him that his son had died. But when they did, he got up and he got cleaned up. And he got dressed, and he went and ate. And the servants were like, you were so upset when your child was sick. Now that your child is dead, which seems even worse to us, why are you suddenly acting normal again? And David said, well, while he was sick, I fasted and prayed because God might have relented. But once God showed that he was not going to relent, once God took my son, it's time for me to go back to worshiping God again. In the book of Job, Job lost everything, all of his children, all of his property, everything he had. Job said, and I quote, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Now look, folks, I'm not asking you to be David or Job. I'm just asking you to be you. And maybe you are sad. Maybe you don't feel very joyful this Christmas season. Maybe 2020 has been terrible for you. However, keep it in perspective. Keep it in perspective. It's not, it's not the end of the world. You know, I've had so many people say to me over the course of my life, really, I mean, when various things would happen, ah, it's the end times. Eh, maybe. But when I read about some of the stuff that happens in Revelation, we're not even close, folks. You think 2020 was bad. Wait till all the oceans and rivers turn to blood and every animal in those oceans and rivers dies. Right? That's going to wake you up. Hopefully, I'll be long gone by then. But the things that happen there, folks, we're, we're a long way. We're a long way from that having occurred. I mean, 2020 might be bad, but it ain't that. All right. So, how do we find joy? Well, aside from keeping it in perspective, let's look in the book of Romans in chapter 8. At the end of chapter 8, Again, Paul is writing to the Romans, and Paul says a really a lot of really cool stuff. Right? Well, chapter seven and chapter eight are both full of wonderful things, but right into chapter eight, Paul really puts it in perspective. He says, because he, as as we read this, you know, we think about the things that have happened in 2020. Paul says, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, not height, not depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, folks, nothing that happened in 2020 can separate you from the love that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if that helps us to keep it in a little bit better perspective, then great. But even if that doesn't, let's look in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. I won't turn to it in the Bible. But it is the fruit of the Spirit. When we are saved, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell us. And the Holy Spirit produces fruit in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22, again, written by the Apostle Paul, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Joy ranks number two on that list right behind love. Does Paul write back in Romans when we just read that neither height, nor depth, nor angels, nor demons, nor any of that can separate us from the joy that is in Christ Jesus? No, he says that's nothing can separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus. Love is above all. But Paul writes that the Holy Spirit <laughs> puts joy number two because love produces joy. You know, there are... Many different Greek words for love. And we're not going to explore them all this morning. In fact, we're just barely even going to scrape the surface. But the, the highest Greek word for love is agape. And that is love that is acted out. And whenever the scripture talks about the love that Christ has for us, or the love that God has for us, or or when it mentions it, it knows it always uses the word "agape, which is a love that is given that expects absolutely nothing in return. But there are other lesser forms of love. You know When you first meet your sweetheart and you're dating your sweetheart, you love your sweetheart. But you do that because your sweetheart loves you back. And you get excited about that. That is still love that produces joy. But it's less than the joy that is produced by the agape love of God. So so as as we look at the fruit of the Spirit... Where love is the highest fruit of the Spirit. Joy ranks number two. You know, many of us experience peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. You know, probably the hardest thing is self-control. That's the last fruit of the Spirit. Um, you know, it's, maybe it's last because it's the hardest one for us to get to. Right? It's the hardest one for us to maintain. But folks, as long as the Holy Spirit is in you, you can maintain love. You can maintain joy because you're keeping it in perspective. Because you recognize that God is eternally minded. And this grief or anger or whatever it is we're upset about is just, it's a tiny, tiny part of a much, much bigger eternity. Paul goes on. He says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Again, is that even possible? Is it possible to pray 24 hours a day, seven days a week? No. No, and that's not even what Paul is suggesting. No, we spent, a lot, well, we spent the entire sermon last week talking about prayer. The sermon last week was on the Lord's Prayer and, and how that is structured and how we should pray and why we should pray. <clears throat> and Paul tells us now this week, pray without ceasing. Well, what he's talking about is what you need is a constant awareness of God in your life. When Paul says rejoice always, pray without ceasing, he's not leaving out any span of time, right? Always means exactly what it says. Without ceasing means exactly what it says. But Paul is Paul. Paul recognizes that, th- that what he's writing there is not physically possible for us but what is physically possible for us is to us to live in sort of a constant awareness of god that we recognize that god is always with us again the holy spirit comes to indwell in us paul writes in first corinthians uh, you know your body is the temple So when Jesus cried over Jerusalem, and he cried because the temple was going to be torn brick from brick, remember that people of that time believed that God lived in the temple. But we know, and Paul writes... That God lives in us. That's why Paul writes, your body is the temple. Your body is where God lives. The Holy Spirit comes to indwell in you. The Holy Spirit is fully present. The Holy Spirit is fully God. And the Holy Spirit is fully in you. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And so when Paul writes, pray without ceasing, he... What he's saying is you have to constantly remember that everything you do is done in the presence of God. How many of you think that anything that has ever happened in all the history of mankind or even long before mankind, you know, man wasn't the first thing God created. When God created the heavens and the earth, man didn't come till the end. But since God said, let there be light, how many of you think God has been surprised by anything that happened on earth? How many of you think Adam and Eve caught guard off God when they ate from that tree? No, they didn't. Back when God said, let there be light, long before Adam and Eve were even created, God knew they were going to eat from that tree. God's only ever had one plan, and that plan was Jesus Christ. That's the only, God doesn't have a plan A and a plan B. God doesn't have a backup. God is his own backup. God has known from the very beginning exactly how all this will turn out. We mentioned last week, God has known the end from the beginning. When God said, let there be light, God already knew that the last word in the book of Revelation was going to be amen. Amen. He already knew that. God's not bound by time. And 2020 has not scared God. 2020 has not changed God. 2020 has not surprised God. So as bad as 2020 might have been, God... Has been prepared for 2020 since he said, Let there be light. He knew it was coming. And he has written to us to keep it in perspective, folks. Doesn't say rejoice always except in 2020, pray continually except in 2020. But you know, 2020 is not the first bad year mankind has experienced. It's not the first pandemic. You know, it's not the first worldwide sickness. It's not you know, the first tragedy that's ever befallen this earth, and none of those things have caught God off God. bad, have caught God off guard. Hard to believe, I used to talk for a living. Uh, so rejoice always. Pray. Continually pray without ceasing, and then Paul writes, In everything, give thanks. Everything, everything. Whew. Boy, that's a tough one, it really is. But none of it's caught God off guard none of it god knew god's known so paul is not just on a roll when he gets to verse 18. he's not like well i wrote rejoice always i wrote pray without ceasing what else can I write? In everything give thanks. You know, it's not a spur of the moment decision for him to write that. This is the word of God that was eternal. And when God said, let there be light, God knew Paul was going to write these words. So, in everything give thanks, you know, this, this kind of ties back to being joyful always, right? Rejoice always. It ties back to verse 16 because a joyful heart is generally a thankful heart. A thankful heart is generally a joyful heart. So when Paul writes in everything give thanks, he's not just making this up because it sounds good. He's writing it because And and he tells us why he writes it. For this is God's will for you. Rejoice always. Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. Because it's God's will for you. Last week, when we talked about prayer, we got to the part of thy will be done. Again, you know, we tend to just pray that, and it's just words that we say. But really, stop and think about that. Thy will be done. We're saying, God, it's not what I want, right? We talked last week about we tend to want to fit God's kingdom into our kingdom. We want God's life to be an important part of our life. We don't want our life to be surrendered to God and His will. But God's will for us, Paul writes, is to give thanks in all circumstances because that's God's will. That's what God God wills for us. So, you know, sometimes the reality is God's will is exactly what we do not want. Jesus spoke about that. In John, I believe it's chapter 15, he talks about the vine dresser who goes out to the vineyard and he prunes the vines. He's cutting off branches that are not productive, that are not producing fruit, and he's leaving the branches that do produce fruit. You know, how does that apply to us? Well, God will come in and prune off the parts of you that are not being fruitful. What Is the fruit God is trying to grow from you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. That's what God's trying. So the things in you that do not produce eternal love, agape love, eternal joy, God prunes those things away and it hurts because we... We enjoy those things, right? But they're not eternal. And God is pruning away the things that we're doing that do not have eternal rewards. So here we are in 2020, and it's the Christmas season. And we sing songs like joy to the world. You know, do we really mean it i think so but it's harder to experience it sometimes so, so what do we do and where do we focus well you know we sang about it this morning you know jesus came into the world and when 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 jesus came That was the most monumental event in history. Jesus coming, Jesus being born in Bethlehem was every bit as monumental as when God said, let there be light. Was every bit as monumental as anything that has ever happened in all of history from before there was mankind to long after there will be mankind. Jesus' birth split time right down the middle. We've all heard of B.C. and A.D., right? Uh, Larry, during one of the songs this morning, said, well, we don't get to practice our Latin very often. Uh, How many people know what A.D. stands for? Most people think it stands for after death. It doesn't. It's Latin for anno domini which means the year of the Lord. So Jesus is coming split time between before Christ and the year of the Lord. And every year after that has been measured in how many years it's been since Jesus came. Jesus Christ's coming was the most monumental event in all of history, and this is the time of year we celebrate that very coming. Without Jesus coming, which was God's plan A, we would have absolutely nothing to be joyful about. As Paul writes in, uh, where do you write that? He wrote it in 1 Corinthians. In chapter 15, he says, in chapter 15, verse 19, If we have hoped in Christ, in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. Paul is saying, folks, that if your happiness and your joy is limited, to what Jesus has done for you or will do for you while you're here on earth, you are the most pitiful thing that ever lived. Because it's not our little lives that Jesus was focused on when Jesus came to earth. When Jesus took on the form of a man, when Jesus humbled himself to become one of us, He wasn't focused on his 33 years of living. He was focused on eternity. And if you're only focused on your 50 or 60 or 70 years of living, or ever how old you happen to be, then you're focused in the wrong direction. And I mean, you you have to live your life here on earth. I'm not saying ignore the things of the earth. I mean, you have to go to work. You have to eat. You have to you have to live. Nobody says don't live, but live with an eternal mindset that look, this is not just this is not all there is. I'm looking forward to something that's better on the other side of this. That no matter what 2020 does to me. I have something eternal where there is no more sadness, no more tears, no more being upset about anything. It's just eternal joy in the presence of Jesus Christ who will rule in heaven and who came to earth, and this is the time of year that we celebrate that. So folks, when you go to celebrate this year, don't be focused on all the bad things that happened in 2020. Be focused on the greatness of Jesus Christ who humbled himself to become just like us so that we could spend eternity with him in joy. So is it possible to have a joyous Christmas in 2020? I think so. I think so. Amidst the pandemic, amidst the chaos, amidst the riots, amidst the death and sickness and fear, what are we to do? We're to do God's will. We're to rejoice in Christ Jesus. We're to pray to God. And we're to give thanks for Jesus Christ and what he did for us. Because as bad as 2020 was, it's nothing compared to eternity. So as Larry and Gina come up to offer an invitation on him, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be just like last week. Today's invitation is going to be a short one. So if you need to come up to the altar and you need to get something right with God, then do it when they start because we ain't going to be up here all day long. It has been my honor to be able to preach for these last two weeks. I wish it were under better circumstances. i stand up here talking about how bad 2020 is, and I'm preaching because our, our pastor came down with COVID. You know, but as Paul writes in Romans, God works all things to good. And I believe that God will bless this church Not just, and I don't mean just Chicopee Baptist Church. I mean, God will bless his church for, you know, in in return for our faithfulness to him. Because we are eternally minded. Thank you.